0: Welcome to Toby Heddocks. Who's Round for some more Doctor Who-flavoured conversation. I would like a chat like that. Three, two, one. It's another one of those Skype calls I'm again beholden to somebody on the other side of the world for taking part in my silly project. And uh, as I get t- towards the end, I've-, I've only got a handful of stories left to go, and this lady worked on uh, uh, three of the ones I have outstanding, so I'm going to ask her to tell me who she is and why I'm talking to her about Doctor Who. Ah,
1: uh-huh. well, um, my name's Alexandra Tynan, and at one time I was called Sandra Reed. And when I was, I worked at the BBC in the 1960s. And during that time, I was... I realised fortunate enough to be rostered on to work on Doctor Who. Although at the time, I didn't see that as, as a benefit at all. I didn't want to do it, but in those days, when you were on staff, you, you did as you were told. And um, I had shared an office, I was sharing an office with Daphne Dare, who was a very talented designer and working on Doctor Who at the time. And I used to say to her... Golly, I'm so glad I don't work on that show. It must be a nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> famous last words. And um, when you say never, of course, that's the that's the word that releases all the things you don't want to do suddenly come your way. So I, I was thrown in at the deep end, not wanting to do it, but um, I'm jolly glad now that I did.
0: Well, before we get on to your involvement, tell me about Daphne, because Daphne worked on the very first uh, uh, episodes of Doctor Who in the very early years and, and sadly died before she um, she really sort of contributed to things like this so, so what are your memories of Daphne?
1: Oh we were great mates and she was a great person to share an office with I must say um, I was inclined to be a bit sort of get a bit nervous and neurotic, and she was very calm and uh, would just light up a cigarette when things got too bad, Um, and we'd gaze out the window and talk about something other than work. She was also a neighbour of mine, so um, we got to know each other quite well. But I must say she had enormous talent and far, far more than than I ever could dream of, Um, and she went on to work on big productions, uh, theatre productions mainly in Canada and elsewhere.
0: Yes, I saw a production that Harold Pinter directed of *The Caretaker* that she did the sets and costumes for.
1: Um, mm. Mm. So, no, she was she was great.
0: So what does it what does it take? You talk of talent as a costume designer. So what does it take? What does it take that she had that that you would identify as a as a talent then that that uh, marks somebody out as a, super, a superior costume designer?
1: Well, she had she had great skill and knowledge of how things are put together, but she also had imagination and far more than I had and she had the ability to to stretch her her creative thinking into areas where I would I'd never have gone and and wouldn't have had the the skill or the talent to do what she did Um, and I look at her some of her work from the early days of Doctor Who and I'm in awe of it of what she did Um, she was a very dedicated designer whereas I was more inclined to want to do perhaps period pieces where I had to do research, um, and and I was interested in character of real people, not necessarily science fiction characters. So and I at that time um, I had really no interest in science fiction at all, but um, later that changed. I'm happy to say, uh, but I. I just, all I can say is that I never had the skills that Daphne had and they were inherent in her personality and in her in her creativity.
0: Well, I mean, you came to Doctor Who, interestingly, you talk, talk about it, um, having um, initially not been sort of drawn to science fiction. But what I love about The Tenth Planet, um, which was set in the far-flung future of 1986, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the beauty is... I think other costume designers might have said, oh, well, it's in the far far future. Let's dress everyone in silver and funny hats. And actually the beauty, I think, what makes roots the Tenth Planet in reality is that the characters are dressed for work pretty much as they would have been actually in 1986, in that it's, you know... Um, formal, the, the 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 scientists, you know, David Dodemead has a has a shirt and tie. You know, the, there's there's yes. no attempt to future it up, and I think that means that the tenth planet looks very plausible.
1: Putting together the Cybermen was was a um, oh, funny thing to do. It was just people have said to me since. Oh, what was the what what was the great creative mode and what was the whole theory behind it? What was this? Well, I'd had a, a long conversation with Dr. Kit Peddler, who, as you know, wrote that series and and was the really the creator or the idea of the Cybermen, because we had never at that stage, we didn't know the word cybernetics. We didn't know that body parts are going were going to be replaced by pieces of steel or whatever. Um, so it was a very new, new idea. And he, he sat down and chatted to me and talked me through the whole thing and the whole idea and and what his ideas were about the Cybermen and how they once had been human. Um, but they had managed to extend their lifespan by replacing their body parts. But in doing so, they were losing their souls. And um, so so that was a great help in a sense. And then, of course, there was a deadline. And it was a case of of handing in a drawing at a meeting to say, this is what I feel the Cybermen might look like. And so I had to beat the clock and put something on paper. So I was forced into that. And I still have the design, the original design, and I look at it and I think, I can remember the day I sat and did it in the office, and I thought, oh, dear, I'm sure this is not going to be very good. (laughs) And we had very little money to, to create the whole thing anyway, so it was done on a shoestring budget. Um, when we came to do Mark II, then of course there was more money, and, and uh, because we'd suddenly found that the Cybermen were were uh, accepted or being accepted by the public, so
0: yes, because their, their second appearance wasn't that much later, and yet uh, and they'd been and they'd been successful, but you went for a, a complete overhaul and you sort of sleek them up a bit. So what was the what was the thinking behind yes.
1: that? Well, it was just. <laughs> It was also to make them uh, more comfortable to wear, although I, d- I doubt if they wear, because the first lot that I did had a kind of plastic over uh, sheath of over the over the jersey that was underneath, and and of course I never thought it through properly that these poor guys, once they got into their costumes under hot lights, were were literally going to lose weight, <laughs> mm. so they were ideal slimming suits, you know. Um, but happily, the actors who were wearing them were very amenable and very patient and, um, and if something fell apart, we put it back together with a bit of sellotape, you know on a safety pin.
0: It was, I mean it was heady times that you were there because you've got you, you, you have the introduction and subsequent very quick redesign of the Cybermen that you oversee but let's not forget your first story also saw that the exit of William Hartnell and the, the entrance of Patrick Troughton. So you, yes. were, you were involved in yes. Patrick Troughton's, um, costume decisions.
1: Yes, I was. Um, there were several of us involved in that. There was, um, uh, Sydney Levy, the head of drama. I think that's the right name. Sydney Newman. Newman. Sorry. Why did I say Levy? Never mind. Yes, <laughs> Sydney Newman. My apologies. Um, Innes Lloyd, who was the producer, uh, Patrick and myself, and they had said to me beforehand that they were thinking of Patrick as a kind of, oh, cosmic hobo, so that he had to have a sort of feeling of of clothes that were very well worn in and perhaps secondhand or whatever. So I I collected a whole lot of stuff together and we, we took it down to a basement dressing room in the BBC and we tried on all sorts of different things on, on Patrick and there was an essence that it had to have a, an echo, of doc, the first doctor. So that, that was a good starting point. And, and then by the end of the, the afternoon, we had picked things from wardrobe stock and we're going to add a few extra bits and pieces and, and it was a fairly painless exercise and, and, and an enjoyable one. And Patrick was great fun, of course. So, and he had to put his input. It was very important, as it is with all actors, that they 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 let you know how they are thinking that a character should be too. So, um, so that's how it was done.
0: And do, do you have any memories of William Hartnell? Because um, it must have been quite a big, 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 um, big moment for him to be, you know, leaving his 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 sort of final big role, really.
1: Well, it was. It was sad for him um, because he was leaving because of his poor health. And, um, and I think Patrick treated the whole transformation and the day that it was done in the studio with great sensitivity and care because he realised that Bill was leaving, not under a cloud exactly, but under rather sad circumstances. So he treated Bill with great respect, but it was rather lovely because when the two of them came into the studio to do the changeover on camera, there were just a few of us standing around and Patrick walked in and said, "Who's who?" <laughs> to sort of lighten the atmosphere and, um, and so it was done and it was done very easily and, and, uh, and very simply. Um, but I only worked with I only worked on the last three episodes of Bill's um uh acting there, and he was um a bit jittery a bit uh i mean he didn't know me and I really didn't know him so mm-hmm. but we managed to 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 be nice to one another and um and again, it was a sad time because the program had been so successful, and a lot of the viewers the young viewers were going to miss him terribly.
0: Yeah, so Patrick Trouton strides on in his first story, "Power of the Daleks," with a massive stovepipe hat, uh, yes. and which which didn't last for long.
1: No, that's right. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> it was a bit of a nuisance, but but you know you have to try these things, and and it's not a bad thing for in, in a program that's going to last for quite a while to see those kind of changes, and you know, yeah.
0: Well, he has a because I've I've watched all the episodes in order a couple of years ago, and I hadn't realised until I did that that he has a thing in those first few stories where he has a catchphrase where he says, I would like a hat like that, and keeps picking up different hats. Oh, yes, I
1: suppose he did. I can't remember that. But, yes, thank you for reminding (laughs) me. It was a long time ago.
0: And and do you remember remember the different directors that you work with? So Derek Martinez did Tenth Planets, then Christopher Barry did Power of the Daleks. Um yes did did d- d- directors have differing input depending on who they were?
1: Uh, yes I suppose they did. Um obviously every story was very different and and so a director would have have his ideas about it too and Innes Lloyd always got um involved in in the best possible way. I mean he wasn't forced he didn't push his ideas in or anything. He was terrific to work for. Really really great. I liked him enormously. And um I think one of the most. I, I, I actually got sick uh, through my ear on the show and had to leave for a while. And when I came back, we were doing um, The Tomb of the Cybermen. And there was that marvelous scene in it where they all come to life. You know, they're in those kind of pod things.
0: Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I moment. was in
1: the Ealing Film Studios that day when they were doing it, and it was abso- i will never forget it. It was absolutely amazing, and I think they only had to do one take, but it was just—it was just terrific, and it was quite spine-chilling. And it was the first time that I really felt scared by the Cybermen, um, and that was uh, Morris Barry. Morris
0: Barry, yeah,
1: he directed that, and then I met him years later. And he he said how um, that he remembered how pleased he was with that particular um, pr- story, and and he'd always thought it was one of the best ones that that he'd done on Doctor Who. So that was nice to know.
0: Oh, it's it's much loved Tomb of the Cybermen. Yes, well as is as is Patrick Troughton's first story, which is now sadly lost, Power of the Daleks. So I guess Ooh. I guess you wouldn't have had much to do with the Daleks, but you would have been dressing um, Patrick and. Um, Bernard Archer and Robert James and all of those humans. Oh yes,
1: all all those people. Yes, and 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 Ben and Polly and uh, yeah. So so that was fun. It was re- I really loved the one that we did with uh, Marius Goring. Oh um, yes,
0: Evil of the Daleks.
1: That, yes, that was set in Victorian times, uh, and that was a, that was a terrific one to work on. I really enjoyed that.
0: And I don't know what memories you have of. Um, uh, the fish people of Atlantis in the underwater <laughs> menace. <laughs>
1: yes, <Sorry>. yes, <laughs> um, yes. The fish people. Well, they they crop up a lot in in, in my work on sort of Doctor Who connected things because I still have the designs and I don't know whether you've seen Marcus Hearn's new book, have you? No, I haven't um, no, It's I haven't just yet. been published. It's absolutely stunning and it's 50 years of Doctor Who, it's called Doctor Who The Vault um, and it's the most beautifully produced book but I'm happy to say some of my designs have been reproduced in it which is a great honour um, and um, I mean this is a bit, I'm doing a bit of, of kind of commercial work here but no, it's, but it's a beautiful Book. So try and get try and get hold of it and have a look because it's superb. Mm. Yeah, he knows yeah. what he's doing. Marcus. Anyway, the fish people, the fish people will feature in that. And um that was very funny when I look back on it now because it was in the days before before body hudding lycra. And we had all these people dressed up, supposedly as fish people, in the in the tank at Ealing, and the weight of the water in their costumes. Um, as they dragged themselves out of the pool you know the crutch of the costume would be sagging down around their knees somewhere um, and and we'd have to rush around and kind of wring them out <laughs> <But> it was <laughs> um, it, it's one it's one story that a lot of people remember actually and I think it's a great pity it hadn't been shot in color because it did look really really good in color hmm.
0: And do you, do you did you have a problem because that came immediately after um, the Highlanders, which came immediately mm. after Power of the Daleks? So you've got a future and then a past and then a future again. Do, with the past, did you enjoy? Did you prefer immersing yourself in research and getting that right, or did you prefer the blank yes. slate of the future?
1: No, I, at that stage of my life, I, well, I still do, I still would do. I prefer doing period pieces that that require research because that's that's. You know, history is one of my interests so, so it's, it's fun to do and, and very enlightening as well, I guess. but um, yeah it gives an extra dimension to the whole thing. Mm. Well
0: well speaking of that then in terms of your, your influence, how you got, what, what, what made you um, become a costumed? What was your background and how did you get to be at the BBC in 19, in the mid- 1960s working on Doctor? Oh. What was the path to there? Mm-hmm
1: well I I went to Belfast College of Art for four years and I majored in fashion and sub majored in textile design as well as doing a complete art training um, and I wanted to go into fashion journalism um, illustrating and writing about fashion that was my my thought when I moved to London from Belfast um, as quickly as possible I have to say and I um, uh, I trotted around various interviews and things, trying to get work, and, and couldn't get anything. And realised I can forget about being, doing any journalism stuff. Um, and then I met a, a friend who had been at Belfast College of Art and had gone to London to to do stage design. And he said to me, "Why don't you bring your folio to um, to college and let them?" and and I'll arrange for you to see one of the the, the lecturers and you can have a chat to him, which I did. And while I was chatting to this lecturer and he was saying to me, why don't you do costume design? And I didn't really know anything about it at all. It was a whole different world that I hadn't even heard about, really. Um, And while I was talking to him, um, two people who were hiring staff for Chichester Festival Theatre in its second year, and second season... Came in and I was talking to them and I got hired on the spot as, um, as a, um, a costume maker, for the season, second season at Chichester. So that was the first one. Then I went on and did some other contract work for different places, including Glenbourne, which I, in fact worked at over a period, on and off, over a period of 40-something years and ended up not all that long ago being head of of costume there. But um, anyway, to get back to the early days, while I was working at Kleinborn in early 64, they advertised for costume designers um, because they were enlarging the department the BBC due to BBC Two coming in. So I had an interview and very... Fortunately, um, I got a job at the BBC, so that's how I happened to be there. And I joined them in 1964, and I was there until 1968.
0: And what 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 were the were the highlights out, outside of Doctor Who? Any productions you particularly you remember with particular affection? Oh
1: well, in those days, when you were on staff, you were rostered onto programmes, and you, as I said before, you didn't have any choice as to what, what? you did. But you, you worked on drama productions, you worked on light entertainment, children's programmes, quiz programmes, all sorts of different things. It was the most marvellous place to, to be. And I was only in my, my early to mid-twenties. And it was the best place to train, I think, in the world in costume for television and film. And it was a very exciting place, in the sixties, because they were bringing in all these young writers and directors, and 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 the word nasty word budget hadn't quite started to stain things the way it did later on. Um, but it was it was very, it was just wonderful. It was buoyant. It was terrific. It was creative. And I will be eternally grateful that I had that training over the four years that I worked for the BBC. I look back on BBC, the BBC, with huge affection, and and with um, thanks for what they did unwittingly, probably for me. So,
0: and, but so but, but but the time came to leave. What what uh, what prompted you to to go after four years?
1: Oh well, well there were sort of personal reasons as well, but but I. I wanted, to, I wanted to travel and, I, and things were starting to get tied up with red tape a lot at work with that big bad word, budget, you know, starting to creep in and it's been, been there ever since and is always there in any kind of sort of creative thing, film, TV, theatre. Um, but I, um, I wanted to just get away and so I, um, I decided to come to Australia. And came out as a 10-pound palm wow. <laughs> to a very different world, a very different world, yes. Um, but I did I did eventually do more costume work out here, um, but I got involved in a lot of other things, corporate work and education, and, and then went back to, to work in Britain between 2000 and 2006.
0: Uh, so, and you've always been very kind in in sort of keeping up your ties with Doctor. Who. I've seen interviews with you, and you know the Australian fans have spoken to you, and and you've you've let yeah. us all you've let us all see your costume designs. So 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 Doctor, Who, something that 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 you're I mean, was it something that was that surprised you that people would track you down and talk to you and and have this interest?
1: Oh, sorry. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was actually in the eighties that I got tracked down by David Banks who was writing a book about Cybermen Mm. and he'd heard that I'd moved to Australia and he tracked me down through the ABC who I happened to be doing some work for at the time Um, and that kicked the whole thing off again and so I've been to conventions in the UK and Australia I've been to the the New York Doctor Who Club which was terrific fun and um, you know, I'm always. I love to go to conventions, and just because it's so nice to mix with the young young people, and 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 it's they're always a lot of fun. And I also meet up with people I haven't seen in years, so um, it's it's a great joy and a great pleasure to be involved in it. But I'm I just feel sometimes I think fancy being involved in a program with such a history and and how it has affected the lives of of three different generations, I suppose. Because when I was back in the UK, Doctor Who sprang to life again. And um, we used to sometimes watch it in my office um, if I was working late. And it was just that lovely thing of... I remember reading in the paper that it was a programme where three generations in one family could sit down and watch the show together. And there is so little of that sort of thing on on television these days. Um, And it was grandparents, parents and children all coming together to watch these great stories. It's lovely.
0: And can you understand the appeal of the show? Uh,
1: Oh, yes, I can. I mean, obviously now... There's a lot of money available to do all kinds of incredible things. Um, Sometimes I feel in the later these later stories that it all gets a bit convoluted and a bit, and I'm I have to watch that 15 minute thing afterwards that tells you how the program was meant. Oh, so that's what they were doing. Okay, right, I understand now. Um, Whereas I think when the when. Christopher Eggleston and David Tennant were in those earlier ones. The storylines were fantastic and the acting was super and the whole thing was just you're on the edge of your seat and you just loved every minute of it. And I kept going, oh, look at that, isn't that fantastic? I got so excited. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what the, the new Doctor will be like and I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, and, of course, the, the Cybermen have, have returned, uh, this time not designed <laughs> by... Do you have an opinion on the modern-day Cybermen?
1: Well, I, I haven't seen the full costume for the very, very latest ones. Now, I didn't see all the Matt Smith programmes, so I don't know if they even turned up towards the end of... Do you know? They,
0: they have very recently. They're slightly more sort of rounded, slightly sleeker versions of the ones that were with David Tennant.
1: Yeah, I felt that they... The ones that have just gone were, I mean, this, well, I just didn't like those flared legs and those funny boots and and it was all a bit toy town for me. Um, I couldn't take them seriously. But having seen a quick picture of of part of the latest one, I thought, oh, yeah, wow, that looks really fantastic. Um, My favourite ones, I think, were probably about, were probably before the... Doctor Who tailed off into Oblivion. Um, I think that might have been Mark 4 of the design, Mark, Mark 4, Mark 5, and they were they were stunning. They were fabulous. The
0: mm-hmm. ones from the 80s with the, the ones that David Banks yeah. did. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. And all that sort of, those coiled wires and everything on the surface of the suit yeah. that you could see, yeah, all that, and I, I thought that was very good. Um, I really liked those enormously. Um, but it's it sort of... It's interesting to see how somebody takes your original concept and then puts their own mark on it, which is the way it should be of course.
0: But it's, um, it must be nice for you that the silhouette remains the same the the the, the handles and uh, the chest oh, yes. unit and all of that you know that it's still recognizably your your design.
1: I suppose so, but I look at those ones that I did first of all, and really, they really are terrible. <laughs> I mean, they're just awful. I can't see how anybody would have found them frightening, or but apparently they did.
0: Oh, they have um, their fans. I love them. I think they're fantastic.
1: Really? I just, yeah, <laughs>
0: the, I do. There's something very, very sort of cadaverous and unearthly about them. I think they're great.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> no, I'm a big well, fan. Well, that
1: makes me feel a bit better. Big but, fan no, of the I 60s
0: just... Cybermen. Very much so. <laughs> Um, so well, look, I'm I'm about to exceed my time. So, but I would I, yes, um, I'm talking to you on Australia. So you 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 alluded to the fact that you'd gone out. Was 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 that a win? What what had driven you to to go there? And and have, do you miss do you miss the UK or do you consider Australia? Oh, do home? I ever? Oh, yeah.
1: yes. Um, My daughter-in-law, who I'm I'm staying with my son and daughter-in-law at the moment, and um, she's just come back from London and we've spent at least an hour this morning talking about her eight weeks she's just had in London and all the things she did and I got really... I thought, oh, God, I've got to get back. I have to get back. I don't quite kiss the ground when I get off the plane at Heathrow, but it's the next best thing. Um, I mean, I just... It's my soul country. I love England dearly. And... um, you know, I'm going to try to get back next year if I can and spend a bit more time there, but it is a great place. It's lovely, and it can never be replaced by any other country in the world for me.
0: So the last question, after, yes. after I say thank you very much for joining me, and I'm really grateful that you, you allowed me to sort of and bat, forth availability back, <laughs> um, uh, is, is Doctor Who is 50 this year. What is your message to those Doctor Who fans listening celebrating Doctor Who's 50th anniversary?
1: Well, um, for those of us who've been around for a long time, hooray, hip hooray! Didn't we have a great time? Aren't we fortunate? And um, to those who are fairly new to it, keep watching. Encourage uh, the BBC to keep doing it and to keep making it fresh. That's the important thing—not to let it get stale. And and it's just happy birthday. Dear doctors, um, that's all I can say. I think on that score, and um, and thank you very much for having me. This is this is my first time on Skype, and thank you for treating me so gently. Oh,
0: bless you. Well, no, thank you, because I know when I first contacted you, you said you you you, you weren't particularly confident about doing <laughs> Skype. So I'm really grateful <laughs> that you dug deep and did it. <laughs> it's
1: a pleasure. Very nice. I've enjoyed myself very much. Thank you.
0: Oh, bless you. Well, thank you. Well, um, Alexandra Tynan, Sandra Reed. Uh, thank you very much for your time. My so pleasure. That, so that, yeah, that's well, thank you for that. That's brilliant. Uh, okay, tell I me hope
1: that was okay you. for you.
0: My thanks to Alexandra and to John Richards for putting us in touch. Thank you, John. Alexandra's charity is the Campaign to Protect Rural England, which is www.cpre.org.uk cpre.org.uk there's a preview of uh, some more behind the scenes delving of a Pertwee and Tom Baker flavour from a man who's done a lot on British television uh, in the next Who's Round until then uh, keep watching the skies take care, bye bye I mean he, he, he actually became a, a friend in fact that, that drawing in the corner there of my wife mm-hmm. was done by Patrick Trowell oh extraordinary um because maureen worked with him as a as an, you know they worked together and it uh, was while he was in hospital um she went to visit him and he he was bored while he was in hospital and he took off a drawing wow and um and he he did that uh, that pencil drawing of, uh, and gave it to him mm-hmm. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor! Missing artifacts. The brig sent him to look into possible theft. Hardly a job for you, unit. The third Doctor Adventures. Hello, is anyone there? Can you hear me over? Is that the doctor? Hostiles Detected! You're looking very smart. The doctor won't let anything happen to us. Really, he won't. Joe! Can you hear me? What's happening? Joe! Of stone coffins.
1: Notification. A spacecraft is approaching docking bay three.
0: This should only take a few moments. We'll have to compensate for the lack of temporal synchromesh, of course. It's just like driving a car in manual rather than automatic. Doctor, I, I don't mean to sound critical, but that's space on the other side of those doors, isn't it? Empty space. Why? Oh, there's another stone
1: robot! Three moons and an asteroid belt, far too much to ask. Language assimilated.
0: What in heaven's name are those things? Those, Mike, are Atto eels. They're huge! Very dangerous. That's what the first one said! I think we should get out of here before it attacks us too! We may enter docking bay. According to this... The Earth Empire has arranged a political marriage between the two leaders. Please notify Lady Gwerlin that our useless and pointless security consultant has arrived.
1: Acknowledged.
0: Excuse me! Woman with reputation in ruins coming through! Yes, this is Captain Yates. Uh, put me through to the Brigadier, would you? The whole future of this sector of the galaxy is at stake. <laughs> Organic life forms detected! The Delphons? Let's get going. There's no present like the times there.
1: Big Finish, recreating an era.